Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Now, dear Father, if we're going to trust in you, our hearts and lives have to be open to your word. Speak to us, O Lord, that we might be transformed. Speak to us so that we might set aside all that stands in the way between ourselves and our relationship with you. We ask this even now as we pray in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. Well, I'm always so nervous when Bill Allen sits right in the front row. (laughs) You know, I I don't know if he knows this, but I got a uh, 1.30 a.m. phone call from Bill about two weeks ago. Did you know this, Bill? I, yeah, <laughs> I figured he must have called me to, because he couldn't sleep, so he wanted me to preach to him over the phone. So we could... <laughs> Either that, or it was another Bill Allen cell phone event. <laughs> and I won't go into that. But we all have stories about our dear brother, Bill. And... Um, and Bill, of course, is just back from Syracuse, New York, and, and many of you are back from places up north, and some of you are back now and are going to go back up again, and, but we're, we're always so glad to have everyone, have everyone home with us. Our text this morning is background to the beatitude, the fifth beatitude, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not irksome to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evil workers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, If any other man thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, if that is possible, and that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So the apostle Paul was going about the business of arresting Christians, persecuting them, in some instance, killing them. And he was on his way to Damascus and the living Christ came to him. This is long after the resurrection, but he was met by Christ on the road to Damascus, struck blind and knocked off his donkey. And he, from there, went off to be alone. He went off to Arabia just to to sequester himself and try to figure out what it was that he had just been through. He had seen the risen Christ. Not a ghost, but the glorified Christ. And when I speak of the glorified body, that means a, a body that is not purely physical, but it's also not ghost. It's some kind of a hybrid between where where Christ himself could be all of a sudden in the room and be touched and could consume food. He could all of a sudden be up in Galilee. So the the risen Christ was not a ghost. He had the resurrection body, the glorified body, and with that body he met the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And Paul was dramatically changed. He was transformed because he saw Christ and he became new. He became a new person. And at risk of his life, at risk of imprisonment, at risk of everything he was and everything he had, he began to preach the gospel throughout the the ancient world. And in this passage, he tells about how he, because of this experience of of meeting the risen Christ, because of this transformational reality that he had just been through, he set aside everything. Nothing mattered to him. And, And yet he said, I had so much I could brag about. And he he details that bragging. He was not just a Hebrew. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, which was the small elite tribe of all of the, the 12 tribes. And he was a Pharisee, which means he was so knowledgeable about the law and he was an enforcer of the law. He made sure that other people were were adhering to the law. So he was very strict. And he said his life demonstrated that, that he was virtually blameless before others. He was so strict with himself. He was so harsh with himself. And then after the resurrection event on Easter, prior to Christ coming to him, he was out there actively persecuting the church. 
And what could be more righteous than that? So Paul was basically saying that he had quite the resume. He had a lot going for him. And it got to the point where he said, that is not worth anything to me. As a matter of fact, the word that he uses when he says it, it was all refuse, it was all junk, is a word that if his mother heard him say it, she'd probably wash his mouth out with soap. And it was that kind of refuse that he spoke of. Wash, out, wash your mouth out with soap. Does anyone do that anymore? Or did that go out with dial telephones? And I think we need more of that. <laughs> I think it would not be a bad thing if moms did more washing mouths out with soap these days. But the Apostle Paul, in a rare instance, pulls out a word that demonstrates his utter contempt for what he was and what he had accomplished, what he had gathered to himself, what he had amassed as his personal righteousness, all stuff that he himself acquired by his own effort. And he said, I put it all aside. It's, not, it's worth nothing to me. It's refuse. Awful, awful stuff. You know, it's, it's one of those, this is one of those communities where oftentimes people feel like, I, th I think they feel like they belong only because they've accomplished stuff. They can be accepted only because they have amassed things. Their, their participation in the community is sort of a function of, of how much they have themselves amassed for themselves. And of course, we all know that's false stuff. We all know. The, the things that we have accomplished with our lives, the things that we've we've acquired, that doesn't define us. It isn't who we are. And at some point we're all going to realize, whether we have or not at this point in our lives already, we're all going to realize that none of, none of the stuff that we've accomplished, none of the stuff on our resume is amounting to, to really anything. And, and yet we still, we still have some of that in us. We still have those things that we want to do. And oftentimes it's for good functional reasons that we do that. But contrast that, as David Brooks instructs us, contrast that to the values of our eulogy. We have our resumes, and then we have our eulogies. Those things that we'll never hear said about us but those are the things that will be said about us at, when that time comes. For Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. 
And why wouldn't we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Why wouldn't we want to set aside anything that gets in the way of ourselves and, and being right before God and being right with one another? Because when that day comes and we're gone and somebody's remembering us, it's really not going to be the, the stuff that we thought was so important that gets remembered. A dear man in our congregation we lost, I think, about five years ago now, Bill Hoagland. His wife is on our prayer list. She's in memory care up at Moorings Park. Wonderful, dear couple. And I did the service for Bill. Family member after family member would get up and talk. And typical stuff like the daughter was talking about how dad would drive and drive and drive on their vacation trips and he wouldn't stop because he had a goal. <laughs> he wouldn't pull over. Kids would have to go to the bathroom. They, they wouldn't pull over because he had a goal. He had a place in mind. And other such stories of family life, of the love that this man had for, for those children, and, and then others for the love that he had for people in the factories that he worked amongst. And one, one who had been an employee told a story about how he went down the aisle where he was working on one of the machines and came by and gave him a hug and asked him how his kids were doing. Stories of that sort. And it wasn't until I got up and I shared with everyone, this was one of, this was a, a vice president of General Motors. It didn't even make it into the, into the service until I got up and said something about it. That's the way it is. The things that really matter in our lives are not the things that we are constantly, typically striving for. It's a lot of things that we don't even know that we're doing because we have, we have things given to us. We have, we have a righteousness, imbued righteousness that has come to us from God and that we act out in relationship with other people. And suddenly we find even now people will tell us stories of things we did and we had no memory of it. We had no acknowledgement of it. We had no idea that we did anything special. And those are the things that the Apostle Paul is saying that, that we ought to hunger and thirst for. And that is that we would be caring, loving, godly people with one another. We would hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for the stuff. You know, this hurricane, I love the fact that so many who've lost a tremendous amount can say, well, it was just this. It was just that. We also have some who've lost tremendously and, and yet acknowledge how friends and family and church have come around to help. But what's positive about all of this is that it's a ready reminder of just how, how vulnerable we all are. No matter how much we amass, no matter how much stuff we've got, one storm can wash so much away. And we know that. We know that. 
And so the Lord calls upon us to develop those values that are almost unconscious, that are being acted out in our relationships with one another. As, as the Lord our God puts before us a high calling. Calling, the term for that vocation, different from our occupation. We do our occupation to, to pay the bills. We do our vocation to live. So in about 1897, a young man was standing on the dock, Stockholm, and was kind of embarrassed by the fact that Salvation Army ladies were out there singing and banging on tambourines, and they had those long tassel things on their, on their tambourines, and telling, telling people as they got on the boat to America to, to come to Jesus, and they were probably singing the song we sang this morning, something like that, obviously in Swedish. And he looked at them and thought, they're kind of foolish. But he was, he was 20 years old, and he was full of life, and he was going to go conquer the world. He made his way across the ocean. He went through Ellis Island. Then he went up into Canada and started working his way across the southern tier of Canada. He got a job on one of the railroads, just building railroads, working and working. And then he, he got out west into Alberta, where it gets really tough and mountainous, and working on, on a railroad trestle. He was out there hammering. And from around the bend, a train appeared. And he was on a trestle, and it was about three, or, three to 500 feet straight down to the riverbed. And it was too far to go this way, and he didn't dare go that way. And so, fell down between the rails and grabbed the tile, the tie, and pulled himself down. And as he looked down at the river, he told himself, if I get out of this, God, I'm yours. Get me out of this, and I'm yours. Train went over the top, knocked his hat off his head, and he watches his hat floated down to the bottom. And he got up untouched by the train. Well, Grandpa went on to meet Erica in Spokane, the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. And they married, had six kids, four of whom, four of whom were veterans in the Second World War. And Grandpa was a contractor, and he was building all kinds of buildings in and around Spokane, school buildings and office buildings and many houses. And right at about 1929, Dad, Grandpa said to his kids, you know, I can't keep doing this. It's the, the, the business is just too crooked. I'm going to do something else. And he started selling life insurance. During the Depression, selling life insurance and feeding 
a family with six kids. And not only that, feeding what they called hobos who had come off the train, which was not too far where they lived, who'd come and looking for help. I remember sitting on his lap and dandling on his, me on his foot, pretending it was a, I was pretending it was a horse. And he'd pull me up and he would kiss me with that bristly mustache. And I remember grandpa's smell. I remember how he smelled, the sweet smell of my grandfather. Just the other day, I stumbled upon the opening page of his will, which he drafted in when he was 79 years old. I'd never read it, I'd never, I'd seen it, but I hadn't read it, but I wanna share it with you. First and principally, I commend my soul to my gracious God and heavenly Father with an entire surrender of my soul as well as my body, with most humble thanks for the assurance of his Holy Spirit of salvation through the atonement of my blessed Savior, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Redeemer, and of the resurrection of the body, and for his grace unto me, whereby my faith in the divine authority of inspired authorship of the Holy Bible, now and forever, shall remain unimpaired from infidelity, and my firm belief in the existence of him as one God in three persons, as taught by Athanasius, Luther, Waldenstrom, and many others. And for that constant and cheerful sentiment of death, so truly expressed by Kayan, in these simple words, think not I dread to see my spirit fly through the dark gates of fell mortality. Death had no terrors when life is true. Tis living ill that makes us fear to die. In expectation of the resurrection, I dread my body to be decently buried, there to remain until the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. I direct that my funeral be conducted without pomp or unnecessary ostentation, according to my station in life, and ask that the foregoing statement of faith and hope be read at my funeral service as my last testimony to my beloved family and friends. The legacy we leave is a legacy of faith. Yes, people can receive the stuff we left behind. But that which embeds itself in our hearts and lives is the righteousness that has been given to us because we've hungered and thirsted for it. Because we've wanted our lives to matter. Because we've wanted to make a difference in this life. Because we entered this life with that idea that when we were young, we thought we had to go out there and get all we can. And then at some point we go through a transition and we realize this is about giving all we can. That this world is a better place because we were here. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why wouldn't we? 
Why wouldn't we? And blessed are we when we do. Will you join me in prayer? And so, Lord, at such a time as this and at any time, Lord God, we, we live for you. We have those things that occupy our days. And then we have the high calling to which we've been called. And we thank you, O Lord, that it is not by our works, but by your own. It's not our righteousness or things that we do right. It's but what you have done for us. Thank you for the redemption that is ours in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.